When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Doug Lee-Maurice, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and Scott Patsko. We're continuing our FAQ series focusing today on the receivers for the Browns. And we will get right to the first question. And I'll, I'll direct this first one at Scott. Do the Browns wide receivers room, the receivers room, is there enough depth in there? Somebody turns an ankle. Somebody, maybe their uh, sister is getting married and they have to miss a couple games. Maybe they accidentally schedule a vacation. They have a timeshare and you have to go at certain times. And it's like, oh, I have a timeshare thing in November. Um, and you miss a couple games. You know, the kind of things that happen to, to NFL players. Enough depth. Do you want the Kevin Stefanski answer or do you want my answer? Because mm-hmm. the Kevin Stefanski answer would be, well, we're always looking for depth and you can never have enough depth and, you know, you can never have any, enough receivers and blah, blah, blah. Uh, here's the thing. And I, I keep going back to like 2020. Nobody thought the Browns had enough depth in week seven at wide receiver after OBJ got hurt. Like nobody thought that, this would be one of the best receiving groups like efficiency wise for the rest of the season. Nobody thought that with Higgins and TPJ, Kaderil Hodge, like you had Landry, but nobody else on that roster had, had really either done it for a long time or had done it at all. Like Kaderil Hodge had hardly had any real receptions at all, but everything he caught that year was huge. Um, so on the one hand, you could look at this roster right now and say, geez, if Amari Cooper gets hurt, geez, you know. Um, but the other guys are on this team for a reason. And obviously the Browns believe that they have the potential to to do what they need done. You don't know what depth you have until you have to use it, I guess is what I'm gonna have to say. Um, no, they don't have a proven group, but I'm not ready to say that they don't have enough depth because you know, we, we saw that work once and um, now some of those guys have a lot more experience than they did in the first place. when when first time it happened, is anyone ready to say they don't have enough depth? You know, I, every time I, I talk about this receiving core, I always talk about it globally in terms of the pass catchers. And I think that's where they're coming from here. I think they're looking at Harrison Bryant stepping up in his third year. I think they're looking at David Njoku getting much better, at least uh, when Deshaun Watson is the quarterback. Uh, so I don't 
think it's just the receiver room per se. I think it's a group of pass catchers. And when you look at it like that, they've got size, they've got speed, they've got possession, they've got outside, inside, uh, they've got, you know, slot receivers. They have uh, everything that they need. Now, from a receiver standpoint in and of itself, just that room per se, I would add another veteran receiver. I would look for him on someone else's roster. I would look for that player in free agency. I would look in uh, in the cuts that are that are coming down the pike. Um, but you know, I do think one more veteran face and voice in the room would be good in the event that Amari Cooper does suffer an injury or can't play for a while. Ashley, do you have a depth? a strong depth opinion either way, or is it kind of like, yeah, no, they're, they're probably fine. No, I basically think what Mary Kay thinks, which there are worse things in the world <laughs> to do than disagree with Mary Kay Cabot. Um, I 100%. I think like this depth chart is interesting with the receivers specifically, just because like, it does feel like they have a lot of pieces, right? And a lot of what we're going to talk about, I think boils down to what Mary Kay was getting at, that things are going to be done by committee instead of like, person X replaces person Y from last year. Like, I don't think it's necessarily going to look like that. However, even though it's maybe gotten a little bit crowded towards the bottom of that position group on the depth chart, they are missing another like big veteran presence. And Mary Kate, that that's exactly my rationale. What if something happens to Amari Cooper? Is Donovan Peoples-Jones your number one receiver now? Um, I, I that's why I do think ultimately they could afford to get another veteran in that room. But like Mary Kay is saying, I don't know if they're going to do it because like the punchline has kind of become like David Njoku is going to be their number two receiver this year. I think Mary Kay, we know this happens, right? That you get to camp and there's some team where a young guy pops up and they decide they can, they're going to cut an older guy. You say you would be open to them adding a veteran receiver. Do you think it's a realistic possibility for this front office that if a guy shakes loose in camp and somebody usually does, they would actually be interested in that and would have the the ability and desire to do it? Well, they certainly have the money to do it. We know that they uh, have a ton of cap space heading into the season more than anyone else in the NFL after they saved that last eight million bucks on the Baker contract. Um, So they have the money to do it. I don't think they're motivated to do it right now. I don't think they really have any desire to do it. I really don't. Uh, I don't think they see anybody out there that excites them. That includes Will Fuller, you know, guys like that, you know, someone that's played with uh, Deshaun Watson at this point. uh, I'm just not feeling it from them at all. Uh, I think they really do believe in Donovan Peoples Jones. I think they we've heard Kevin Stefanski gush over David Bell. Like we haven't really heard him do that about other players. Uh, I, I do think that they believe there's something to Anthony Schwartz if he can, uh, you know, pick it up this year and, and really kind of show what he has. So I think they feel pretty comfortable with what they have. And at this point in time, I don't think they feel this is a necessary thing to do. Couple, couple of things real quick to remember, though, and unless there's a huge, huge change in like, I know we're expecting changes in the offense, but, you know, it's Kevin Stefanski throws to wide receivers the least amount of any coach in the league since he was with the Vikings. Um, that's going to go up because I don't think they're going to use tight ends as much as they had the last few years. They don't have as many of those guys that are going to be on the field as much taking those targets away. 
but it's still going to be near the bottom. So you're relying on um, maybe certain guys more than, than if you are another team, you're, you're relying on more people as a group, I guess. Um, but the other thing is I think they do have flexibility here. And I agree with Mary Kay. If, if they wanted somebody like Will Fuller, he'd be on the team already. If they wanted somebody who's been a free agent, that guy would be here. But if somebody does uh, get cut or um, become available during camp, you have flexibility with guys like Demetric Felton and Jakeem Grant. Now I know they went out and got Jakeem Grant this year, but both those guys can return kicks. Um, one a lot better than the other, but uh, both of them can do that. So if it comes down to wanting to bring in a veteran, you have, you could, you know, find yourself moving one of those guys and knowing that you're not hurting yourself somewhere else. So they do have some flexibility there. And there are obviously some spots um, at the bottom of that depth chart that could be, could be chopped. It's always interesting when guys, a couple guys do shake loose in camp or, you know, last cuss before the season, or there's just a disgruntled guy and a team that doesn't really have a chance to win this year, decides to part ways. It feels like that's, if it happens at receiver anywhere on the other 31 teams, Browns fans should perk up a little, a little bit. Cause it just could be yeah, a lot of times. This is how good teams get better. It's like, Oh, there was this like veteran guy who's really good, but it kind of just didn't work out with his old team anymore. And he just like sort of wound up for a cheap price with this team that needed exactly that. How many times have Browns fans watched that happen? And other teams be like, are you kidding me? They got that guy for basically nothing. Maybe that'll happen here. Maybe that'll happen here. And it's like, oh, who's their number two receiver? Oh, that guy who's been in the league for a long time and slides right in. Or it might be this guy. Next question. Can David Bell be the next Jarvis Landry? So I think this is an opportunity. And again, people, we've been writing all these frequently asked questions. They're all over the site. Cleveland.com. My gosh, you have it bookmarked, right? Cleveland.com slash Browns. It's bookmarked. You've been reading all of them, but we can discuss them more. I, there's two parts of the question here. I'm intrigued whether Jarvis Landry is an, an interesting name, a correct name as a comparison for David Bell, but there's also a conversation about just how good David Bell is going to be as a rookie. Actually, we'll start with you. Um, take it either way you want. Do you want it to be a direct Jarvis Landry comparison, or do you just want to talk about if you think David Bell is going to pop in year one? Yeah, you know, we can – I think you can kind of do both almost. That's a little bit of a cop-out, but like, I do think when you're talking about David Bell, I don't want to compare him to Jarvis Landry immediately. And again, that's kind of what I'm talking about when I'm saying it doesn't have to be a one-for-one comparison, but you look at David Bell, like, you know, we've been talking about him in the slot. Uh, We've seen him there getting first team reps there. And it's something he did in college, but not a ton. He got like 700 some snaps. And I think like 120, some of those were in the slot. Um, But what he's known for is catching the ball. Andrew Berry got up there in the press conference after, after they drafted him and said they thought David Bell had the best hands in this draft class. And he doesn't have a lot of drops. And that's also something that Jarvis Landry did pretty well. Like he was, you know, just kind of a constant presence. He obviously rarely missed games. Also something David Bell has done so far, you know, throughout college and he could catch the ball really well. So I think like if David Bell can do those two things in his rookie year and do it in a kind of semi new role, since that slot position is going to be a little different for him. Um, I think that would be a success, but I don't think you need him to be a carbon copy of Jarvis Landry, especially as a rookie for this to look right in this offense. Mary Kay, you think David Bell is going to be really good as a rookie or might it take some time? 
you know, I think he's going to be really good as a rookie. As we've noted, Kevin Stefanski has raved about him. Andrew Barry has raved about him. They're really excited about this guy. They feel like he dropped to where he did uh, because of that 40 time. But we know that that 40 time uh, at the combine, whatnot, uh, pre-draft was better than Jarvis Landry's or somewhere in that neighborhood. So I don't think they're overly concerned about that. And the bar for rookie receivers lately is very, very high. I mean, these guys are coming in and tearing up the league right away. Uh, in this very pass-oriented league. So you're seeing guys like, of course, they're from the SEC, a lot of the guys that we're talking about. Um, but, you know, you you know, you see the Justin Jeffersons and you see the Jamar Chases coming into the NFL right away and being amazing right off the bat. And I think that is kind of where the bar is set in the Browns' mind for David Bell. I, I think they expect him to be good right away and that there's not going to be this two-year learning curve for him I think uh, he's going to be a big deal in 2022. Yeah, I think he's certainly going to get the opportunities that uh, DPJ and Anthony Schwartz did not necessarily get early on um, coming out the gate. And that'll be big. But I, I, he'll probably get a lot of slot snaps. But I think like Jarvis Landry wasn't like he was he got the most slot snaps his last couple of years with the Browns. But he was really moved around a lot. He was only in the mid like 50% range as far as total number of slot snaps. Um, he got a lot of snaps out wide. So they moved him around a lot. It wasn't like when he was with the dolphins and he's like in the slot 70% of the time or whatever. Um, so that kind of evolved and I could see that happening more. And now you have Amari Cooper, a really great route runner who um, you're going to want to move him around and take advantage of that. And you have somebody similar to David Bell that you want to move around and, and let them use as many routes as they can use to get open. And he's not some guy who relies on trying to beat people down the field or, you know, his game mirrors Jarvis Landry so much that I think that's going to be part, just moving him around. And even if he does get the majority of his snaps in the slot, it's going to be, you, you know, I don't know if we're really going to think of him as a slot guy. I like preseason over unders to kind of put everybody on the spot statistically because mm-hmm. it, it's not always all about <laughs> stats, but stats represent, you know, a representation of a guy's value and how good he is and how much he's used. So maybe we'll do that on a future orange or Brown talk podcast when we get closer to the start of the season, but let's just do it quickly here. And you can tell me if it's a terrible number <laughs> and then I'll reset it at Doug sports book that would lose tons of money. I'll tell you what, if I ever open a sports book, you want to come to my sports book because you will win. Let's set it at 700 receiving yards for David Bell. Mary Kay, over or under? You know, I'm going to say under right now. uh, And I think that is because um, every question can be answered like this right now uh, for every single thing that we do. And that is, is Deshaun Watson the quarterback? Is yeah. Deshaun Watson not the quarterback? Is he for eight games? Is he for nine games? So I'm anticipating that he's going to be suspended for at least six to eight games. Uh, and in that case, I don't think anybody's production is going to be exactly uh, what it will be next year when they have Deshaun Watson for the whole season. So for that reason, I'm just going to go a little bit under on the seven. Ashley. I'm also going to go under and on top of everything that Mary Kay said, I'm just thinking about if Deshaun Watson is gone, like the number of reps you're still going to have to get to 
Amari Cooper. And obviously they're going to really, I think, need to rely on him for however long Jacoby Brissett uh, is in there. And then David Njoku as well. And again, like Scott said, Kevin Stefanski likes to throw to tight ends. Deshaun Watson, historically, whenever he comes back, has liked to utilize his tight ends in the past. So I just, I think that's a little bit high for David Bell in his rookie year, but he's going to have plenty of opportunities still. Yeah, I'm definitely going. I'm definitely going under. Big bet, big hit, big bet here from Scott, slapping down a grand at Doug's sports book. (laughs) Under 700. (laughs) Under, under, under. Uh, I mean, it's still Kevin Stefanski uh, running the show, and Nick Chubb is still on this team, and um, no one's even come close. I mean, I think Jarvis Landry had over 800 yards. I mean, Amari Cooper could be the only guy over 800 yards receiving this year. That's a bet I would take. But, um, I yeah, I think there's too many other uh, guys who are – potentially seeing targets um even with Deshaun Watson throwing the ball they're still going to want to spread it around and yeah I don't I don't know that David Bell gets close to 700. So we know that sports betting is coming to Ohio it's probably not going to come until January 1st but I might open Doug Sportsbook on an Orange Brown Talk podcast in about mm-hmm. three weeks and give all you guys maybe a thousand fake bucks and set some over-unders on the Browns which might be awful. Scott will be like, I'm betting all thousand of my fake dollars on under 700 yards on you David should. Bell right. because Jarvis Landry led the team with 800 last year. Doug, it's a ridiculous line. Instead of fake dollars, you should call them Doug Bucks. Ooh, Doug Bucks. See, I like yeah. when we work it out. I like when we process. Ashley, the <laughs> Ashley is the marketing genius here. She has what, maybe Baker Maybe Mayfield and uh, yeah. Doug Bucks. <laughs> I need to keep these ideas quiet so that I can utilize them in the future on my own and not not give Doug a chance to, to steal them from me. Are these like shrewd bucks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would I make a fake $100 bill and put my face on it and demand that be the art? that accompany the post for this podcast? Oh, yeah. Yes, I would do that. Yes, so look we forward know to were. that. Yeah, I know. Eric <laughs> K is like, are you kidding me? You're going to like get off the... I have to leave right now so I can start making my own $100 bill. It's <laughs> a billboard waiting to happen. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to bet some Doug Bucks in a couple weeks. For now, we'll continue talking receivers next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Doug Maurice, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, and Anthony Schwartz. Will Anthony Schwartz make a jump in year two? Mary Kay, we'll start with you. Yes or no? What do you think? Is this the big year? This is, this is the, the year of Schwartz. You know, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, that he is going to bounce back uh, from his very challenged rookie season. Now, as we are taping this, I am in the process of writing an Anthony Schwartz story uh, that I have been uh, trying to make my little fingers get to the keyboard on. You guys know how that goes. Um, so I am working on that and um, kind of had a pretty cool little one-on-one interview with Anthony Schwartz. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what, um, you know, what we talked about in case I don't get the story done by tomorrow. But, um, but it was, um, it was kind of a, an interesting interview it was something I was very curious about in regards to Anthony and, uh, and the season that he had. 
So I think he is going to bounce back in a big way. I thought he had a lot of adversity as a rookie, never really practiced in training camp, never really practiced in the offseason, pulled that hamstring, had some other things that happened along the way, got a concussion that was pretty darn serious. Just when he felt like I was, he was getting back to baseline, uh, he, he comes down with this uh, pretty serious concussion, misses a bunch of the season. So it was the kind of rookie season that, you know, you kind of want to file away and say, no, that didn't go the way that I planned. Um, but I'm going to keep my, my nose to the grindstone. I'm going to work at it and I'm going to come back and, uh, and rebound from that. And I think he will, I think he will. Once again, I think it will be a lot easier for him to do that with Deshaun Watson because he's tailor-made for more of a Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's got the speed and Deshaun has the accuracy and the mobility and the arm talent to get the ball to Anthony. And it doesn't even have to always necessarily, uh, you know, be 100% perfect. I think those guys would be able to hook up on some of those go routes. Um, I think Baker lost trust in, in Anthony Schwartz last year, and he just really didn't have any regard for him. But if Anthony can get out there and demonstrate that he knows where he's supposed to be, he knows what he's supposed to do. I think he can contribute in a significant way. Not that he's going to have 700 yards, but I do think that that he will uh, significantly impact the offense this year. My over-under for Anthony Schwartz is 70. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Scott, what do you think? Big jump for AS? I mean, he had 23 targets last year, so I would hope so. Um, <laughs> there's nowhere to go but up, literally. I mean, Jamarcus Bradley, I think, had four targets. That's that's it. That's who, that's who was below uh, Anthony Schwartz last year. I, watching OTAs and minicamp, um, you would certainly think that Anthony Schwartz is in for um, lots of opportunities to do better as far as, you know, production goes. Uh, he was uh, often um, one of those top three guys that were on the field in the passing drills, seven on sevens. Um, we did see, it seemed like every practice, we probably saw it at least once during walkthroughs is him getting a, a, an end around or a jet sweep or whatever. Um, so that's, that seems to still be something they want to use him for. Um, but I would, yeah, I mean, they have to, like we, like we started out talking, there's only so many guys on this, uh, on this depth chart that have decent experience and they're going to have to try to make the most of it. And it looks like he's put in work to, to become a better receiver this year. It's the key for him obviously is how do you make the most of that speed? Cause I don't know, care who you are as a corner. If you know that this guy's just running straight down the field, that's easy to cover. It doesn't matter, matter how fast he is. You just, you know, you take the right angle and you have a safety and, you can, you can make that work. You can, you can deal with that, but he's got to learn how to make the speed work for him. And, you know, we'll find out the season if he's done that. Um, but yeah, he, he should make a jump. I think he can do better than what? Seven, 17, no, 10, 10 catches last year. So, so let me ask this. I'm going to twist the question a little bit, Ashley. I don't know. So Amari Cooper's Amari Cooper. We haven't talked about him yet really on this podcast, but I don't, is there really room for, Donovan Peoples Jones, David Bell, and Anthony Schwartz to all pop in a world where we're talking about David and Joku as the number two receiver for a team that likes to run the ball and yeah. that maybe isn't going to have its starting quarterback for half the year. When you think about those three young receivers and they're all lined up in a row, right? The Donovan Peoples Jones is the most experienced of the three. But I'm just, I don't know that they can go. I don't know there's, I don't know that there's enough opportunities for it to go three for three that we get to the end of the year and be like, yes, that guy had a good year. I think one of those three guys at least, 
and maybe two of them has to sort of have it here. It's like, eh, it was, it was okay. Yeah. But I, and, and if I'm making my list and thinking of it that way, I think I probably put Anthony Schwartz last of those three who just might be the guy that's a wrinkle guy. Ah, they took a couple deep shots. Ah, they just missed him, but he's not really a primary part of what they do. And I'm not going to, I don't want to go too far on my thing, but it just feels like had a weird rookie year and his second year, his quarterback was out for half the year and whatever. And then like, we get to like, year four and they're trading him for a seventh round pick. And it's like, it never happened here. And it's not exactly his fault and whatever, but I I don't know, Ashley, is there enough room for all three young guys to have good years? That was the longest possible way to ask me that. That, that was like, a question. That, there was a question mark <laughs> at the was. end of those 711 words strung together. There <laughs> was. Um, so I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit here, and I don't want to ruin the future discussion on the last question of this, which is going to be, can Donovan Peoples-Jones be the number two receiver? But I think you kind of nailed it, Doug, in that With these younger guys, they all have different wrinkles that they are pretty good in, right? Like Anthony Schwartz has a speed. He's supposed to be able to be a downfield guy. Donovan Peoples-Jones, great at making contested catches because of his size. David Bell, he has that experience on the outside if you need him there, but he can also play in the slot. So it's almost like a by-committee type of approach with them. But because of that, like you're saying, I don't know if any of them really pop in terms of like a traditional number two receiver. If, if I had to pick, like, I don't know, David Bell's going to probably get the most opportunities, but Donovan has the most experience. So yeah, that leaves kind of Anthony Schwartz uh, out there right now. But basically what Scott said, when you asked the ori- original question, my thought was Anthony Schwartz just went through so much last year that, that Scott hit the nail on that. There's really nowhere to go but up with him just because he's, you know, in theory right now, he's healthy and he didn't have that last year and we've talked about repeatedly how much missed time especially missed training camp time affects these young guys even with when they are coming into the NFL and are already known for like their football IQ quote unquote and their prep ability which we know the Browns really liked in Anthony Schwartz when they drafted him um but like you're saying I don't know if any of these three pop in a traditional sense like we are thinking of so let's continue. We can continue that kind of question. We'll jump ahead to the Donovan Peoples Jones question that we have here. Dan left all the questions. Dan, we're we're going through them. I, I hope I hope we're doing okay. Dan Dan said it's like it's like babysitter instructions. It's like it don't give the kid more than two lollipops. <laughs> and I'm the kind of babysitter where then the parents get home and they're like, there were seven lollipops here. And they're all gone. And it's like, I was just trying to get through the day. So I'm just trying to get through the podcast, Dan. I'm going to change the order of these questions. Can Donovan Peoples-Jones be the number two receiver that the Browns need? Mary Kay, we'll go back to you. But we can expand that a little bit again. I think it is fair. We started off by talking about the depth in this room. And again, this is the kind of thing that I love to do. My answer to the depth is they don't have enough depth. And then my next answer is they have too many receivers. They can't all be good. So but isn't it what I, it's what I said earlier though, right? Like the bottom of this depth chart is yeah. very crowded. It feels very crowded, but they still don't have that true veteran guy. So I think I, I don't know that it's just like a crazy hot take. Like you just say one thing and five seconds later, it doesn't matter anymore. I do think to what you're saying, Ashley, both things can kind of be true, but let's focus this on DPJ Mary Kay. But I think we have to think about the other young guys in context 
Do you think DPJ is going to really emerge as the number two receiver here? And then how's it all going to fit together? Well, he certainly will have the opportunity. I mean, if they start, if they played a game tomorrow and they were only going to be in two wides, uh, I think that he would probably be the number two guy. But I don't necessarily think it's going to be like that in week two, week three, week four. I think right now it's an opportunity for one of these young guys to get the hot hand. And I think that's going to matter. You're going to figure out who has uh, that chemistry, that timing, uh, that sort of magic with eventually with Deshaun and whoever it is that, you know, that kind of can connect with him and be most productive. And Deshaun likes to throw the ball to because quarterbacks do get their favorites. Uh, one of those guys is going to be able to step up into that role and emerge. Now, right now they have lockered David Bell right next to Deshaun Watson. So they kind of want to groom David Bell to sort of be that guy. I mean, when you take somebody in the third round and you really believe that he probably could have been taken higher, uh, you know, it just shows the kind of value that you have. Donovan Peoples-Jones was almost like a tremendous bonus for them. They took him in the sixth round and, you know, anything after that is just icing on the cake. Uh, but they expect David Bell to become a starting receiver or at least one of the top three wides in their offense. So, Donovan Peoples-Jones will have those opportunities early on, but I do think it will be a very game plan oriented Mm. situation at the number two receiver spot. If you need speed and you're playing a team uh, that is not going to be able to cover Anthony Schwartz, then you're going to use some of Anthony Schwartz. If you have a guy uh, that's, that's really tough physical at the cornerback position, then you're going to put Donovan on him and just let, let him try to outmuscle him and, and beat him up. And, you know, if you need your slot guy that can catch anything, you know, mid, mid range, whatever, uh, then you might go David Bell. So I do think, as Ashley even pointed out, that, uh, you know, that it is going to be number two by committee to a certain extent. But one of those guys can certainly get the hot hand and seize the moment. Scott, do you think that the DPJ size routes he's good at? experience does he profile like as a number two receiver in a good offense at this point in his career or is it is it asking a bit much I mean what's a number two receiver what's that guy got to be he's got to be he's not going to get the targets that the number one guy gets but he needs to make big plays when he gets his opportunity and that's that's DPJ to a large extent Hmm. um that's well said I mean it just has to be the the compliment. It doesn't have to be someone who necessarily does anything out of the ordinary. It just needs to be the guy that, all right, they have, they're really shading towards our number one guy. This guy, the quote unquote number two has one-on-one coverage. I have to have the faith in him. And he's got to get it done. DPJ and Amari Cooper are both, uh, well, they were top 21. DPJ was 13th. Cooper was 21st in contested catches last year. I mean, these are two physical receivers. This not... OBJ trying to finesse his way through anything you can throw to these guys and have confidence the same way Baker often did with Jarvis Landry that doesn't have to be the best throw, but they're probably going to come down with it. Um, DPJ was that guy in a lot of ways last year. Um, There were times when they needed a short first or third down conversion. And he's the guy you're looking for on the slant because you know that he's going to have the body to get in front and, you know, the ball's going to be low and he's going to physically be able to hold off the guy. He doesn't have a lot of room to create separation. They know it's going to be a short pass and um, he's able to do that. And, you know, Amari Cooper, also a, a thick guy for a receiver. So um, 
I'm curious to see how that's going to work out, having both those guys on the field. Like how physical, you don't think of a passing game being physical, but um, those two together could be interesting in that way. And actually, you you oh, go ahead, go ahead. Let me bring up something. When you talk about uh, that part of the game being physical, I mean, just think of those Ravens cornerbacks, right? Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. we've seen the Ravens cornerbacks at times try to do to Odell and even Jarvis to a certain extent. So it really is going to help to have a bully like that against those guys, you know, if they're back in uh, Peters and Humphrey back healthy, uh, you know, you might see a little bit more of a DPJ in a game like that. Yeah. Yeah. Remember what he did to the Cardinals when they, they threw out wide real quick to him near the goal line. And he, I forget who the corner was. He just bowled him right over. Mm-hmm, right. Um, he can do that. Mm-hmm. Ashley, you knew this guy when he was a young receiver at Michigan. Is this like, it, did you always think like he had this in him again? We all know he's a five-star recruit. It didn't maybe go as Michigan yeah. as he hoped, but like, do you think he has it in him to be a regular starting receiver and a good offense in the NFL? I do. I like, I'm on record as just thinking he was never really utilized in the right way before he got to the Browns. And they, you know, kind of immediately found a spot for him where he was able to be productive as a sixth round pick. Um, But I, I do just think he's never really gotten that chance, but now it's here. And the one thing that I have worried about with him a little bit is how he fares when he kind of becomes the focus for opposing defenses. Like when he is, the guy that they can just hound and they know that the ball is going to um, he's not as productive in those situations. And we saw it a little bit last year, um, you know, after the Odell stuff went down and he was thrown in that position, he had the great game at Cincinnati. But then after that, like thinking about plays or moments that he popped, like it's almost easier to think about the the negative moments. Like you have that drop in the Ravens game, for example, in Baltimore, Um, so I do question like what role might be best for him ultimately. Um, but I do think already we've seen him get closer to his potential, but because he was a guy who came to the NFL, I think with still a high ceiling to reach because of how he was used in college, I do think there's still room for him to grow and that he could be a regular starter, uh, as a result of that. And we shouldn't just be thinking about, well, this is just a sixth rounder because he's not a traditional sixth rounder to me. I love a measure number three. I have questions about a measure number two, but again, if David and Joko is number two or all of a sudden here comes David. Yeah. Dale, I mean, I do think but is how- that because you don't, you don't think that he's reliable. No, I, I, I was, I was thinking to myself, what was the story I wrote last year? Did I call him reliable people's Jones? <laughs> Dependable and like, people's Jones. And I was like, no, was it, was it Donovan reliable Jones? And I was like, yeah, no, it was dependable. Cause they're both D um, it's what Ashley said that it's just the more, a, the more a defense focuses on him, the, the less of a bonus he is, the more he's facing the better cornerbacks, the more maybe a safety shading on him. Maybe he's a contested catch guy. Maybe he can be a big play guy. He, maybe he's a physical guy, you know, as you were saying, Scott can catch a slant like that, whatever. But I don't know, like over the course of a game, if a team is game planning for him, is he dynamic enough to be a guy like that? I, I Well, that's your know. number one guy, though, right? I mean, who's game planning for the number two? Who's game planning for somebody other than Amari Cooper to start with? I guess, I mean, uh, not, I like, I, I like him in the number two spot, I guess. That's and true. I do. That's I look true. at I look at last year too, and just like question, like even some of those maybe question marks that arose for me around him and and his role and what he might be best suited for. Like how much of that really has to do with him versus 
the passing problems at large last year and Baker Mayfield's injury and things like that. Like, I think they had a great connection in 2020. And I think like that Bengals game in Cincinnati that season is the example everyone thinks of, but I do wonder how much last year, like he didn't quite make that big, big jump once Odell left, but I'm like, how much of that is really his fault too? No, yeah, yeah. I think, er- I think everything with the Baker. passing game. Yeah. Everything with the passing game is like, well, was that mostly Baker? Go ahead, Mary Kay. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I think that uh, Donovan faltered down the stretch. And I think as Baker uh, slid, Donovan slid. And I think he's one of these players that will benefit tremendously from Deshaun Watson and his arm talent and knowing where to go uh, with the football and getting it there in time and not having that little bit of hesitation and just the quick reads, I think it will really help Donovan a lot. And like the other interesting thing about him and his career path going off of what Mary Kay said, he's never really had a quarterback like this throwing him the ball. He had like four different quarterbacks in college. It was what kind of John a mess. O'Korn. What about yeah, John O'Corn. John O'Corn is not Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I hate to say it for Donovan. Um, so he never really had that. He had one good year of Baker, right? And then last year, everything kind of hits the fan. Um, so I think that was, you know, Baker was by far the best quarterback he had played with at that point in his career. So, it, and look at the jump he made from his senior year at Michigan, you know, a place where he didn't even have a 100 yard receiving game in three years to the jump he made as a rookie with the Browns. So I think that's also really promising. Last break, we'll get back with the number one receiver next after this. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Man, you should be a Browns insider. Football insider, it's about the Browns, though. I mean, you go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Blue banner, you click it, you sign up, give it as a gift. Give it as a gift to yourself. Football season's here. Camp is here. You are. You have a busy life. You have a busy life. And we know that you, you, know, you pop in the podcast. We're with you right there on your phone. It's easy to get. You go to cleveland.com slash OSU again, you have a bookmark, so you don't have to type it in every time. Um, But the texts are so valuable. You're at work, and Mary Kay and Dan and Ashley and Scott, they're out at camp. Oh, look at that. Oh, that play. Oh, who's having a great day? And you're at work. You're at work. You're you're with your kid. You're with your – you're doing something. You're grinding away. You're gardening. And you get a thing. Oh, you can't be at camp every day. They can be. They go right in your phone. Just for a couple bucks, cleveland.com slash Browns. If you listen to this, you like them enough. You're interested enough to get get the text. Oh, the play, you can't believe it. You get it. It's like you're there. You don't have time to go to camp every day. Let us go for you. Just try it for a month and see what you think. Cleveland.com slash Browns. Go there. Click on the blue banner. Scott. Will Amari Cooper be good enough to carry the Browns wide receiver room? I know the, uh, the video game stuff came out. I still am slightly amazed. I get it. Video games are fun. But the idea that a video game's evaluation of you based on real life then somehow is a reflection of real life and matters how the video game graded you is like a a loop to me. It kind of goes back to the Westworld robot thing we were talking about the other day (laughs) that like, I don't know if I care what the video game version of you was graded out at by the guy in the video game room. I care how good you are on the human field, but I think Amari Cooper was 10th in the video game receiver ratings. And I like video games. I used to stand on a milk crate at the grocery store and play asteroids for a quarter. I appreciate (laughs) video games, but did someone just whisper? Okay. 
I heard that. Like, okay, Doug, <laughs> get to the football. My God. Uh, is he, so I thought that was like, that was a rating that was like, I think it was like, he's the 10th best receiver in the NFL. I don't know what that means. Is he a number one guy that can do what needs to be done here, Scott? What needs to be done here? Yeah. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like, though, because as we've said before, Kevin Stefanski's offense has always been a place that your wide receiver stats come to die. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, guys do not have a thousand yard receiving uh, seasons here uh, or in Minnesota. So uh, I'm really like of all the things we're unsure about, like what Amari Cooper's production is going to look like. It just fascinates me because he went from he's coming from a, a Cowboys offense that was top 10 and pass attempts to a Browns offense that has been top 10 in rushing attempts the last couple of years. Uh, and he is like, he's one of those receivers that's built on volume. Mm. Like he catches a lot of passes and that, uh, that's how you get a lot of yards. And he's not like an efficiency guy. He's not somebody who's, um, you know, a lot of the analytics stuff that I talk about like DVOA and EPA, things that are based on how often are you first downs how often are you helping your team get closer to points um how often are you catching that five yard pass on third and four that kind of stuff um he's never been highly ranked consistently as that guy um dpj richard higgins they lived off that there kind of is. stuff in 2020 always got to mention them. always got to mention them. that is the goal for this <laughs> offense is to have guys doing that um so it's like qu- quality over quantity is how wide receivers work, uh, at least, you know, the last few years under Kevin Stefanski. So I'm really eager to see, like, what what that means for a guy like Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, o- OBJ was very similar, and then he came here, and obviously things were, were much different. Um, Jarvis Landry, very similar. Got a lot of passes uh, in Miami. Not not as many, well, at least once Kevin Stefanski came here, not as many here. So, um, yeah, I, he can be clearly he can be the number one guy here and, and be the main target of a passing offense. Um, I'm just not sure what that's going to translate to numbers wise. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a statistical conversation, but it's also just kind of like a presence conversation. Actually, Scott twisted the question a little bit there. Can Amari Cooper be as good as Rashard Higgins? What do you think? <laughs> I think, and I hope for the Browns' sake that Amari Cooper can be better than Richard Higgins was. I'm deeply, deeply sorry, Scott. Um, but look, I mean, you look at Amari Cooper's resume, right? Number one, he's constantly available. Mary Kay, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you wrote the story uh, for this FAQ, but he's only missed something like five games, right? Like total. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, he's right. he's always there. He's made like four Pro Bowls, five 1,000 yard seasons. On top of that. He is the best route runner probably in the NFL. And that's always what comes up. So I do think he gives this team like a true number one receiver for this quarterback that they're, they're going through all of the things they're going through in order to land him. Um, And I, I do think he's, he's kind of exactly what we need, right? He was the big signing before they got Deshaun Watson. We were like, Oh my gosh, they actually went and did it. So um yeah, I think he can carry this receiver room as much as they need him to, provided his like Iron Man type streak keeps going. Hey, so one, one quick one quick note, real quick. I I feel like over the past I don't know year and a half, people maybe have gotten the wrong impression that I'm some sort of huge Richard Higgins <laughs> fan. And I just want to say for the record, I, I'm not necessarily a Richard Higgins fan. I just recognize greatness. So, um, you know, I, I didn't want people to get the wrong impression. 
<laughs> I, I am now more confused about your actual views on Richard Higgins than I was before you started saying that. Uh, mm-hmm. Mary Kay, so if you wrote this post Mary Kay, th- like this idea, w- we know like what a number one receiver means. Is there, d- d- is he a number one receiver for what the Browns need? Yes, absolutely. And I think he's going to be dynamite with Deshaun Watson. I think that's going to be uh, one of those incredible uh, quarterback receiver batteries that you see uh, in the NFL. I mean, I, I, I really do believe that, um, you know, you, you think about the Josh Allens and the Stefan Diggs and the Patrick Mahomes, and it used to be the Tyreek Hills and, you know, used to be Aaron Rodgers and, and Devontae. Um, so, you know, I, I think it can be like that. I think these two guys are going to be connecting early and often. We saw uh, the beginnings of it in, in OTAs and minicamp. And, uh, and I think they're just going to be uniquely suited to excel together and produce a ton of yards, touchdown catches, receptions. Uh, I think it's all right there for the both of them. Uh, I don't see any reason why Amari shouldn't be back in the Pro Bowl, uh, getting passes from Deshaun Watson. And uh, I think he will be a legit number one. So let me ask this, and, and, and I'm not trying to be like, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get on first take with a question like this. It's a different quarterback. It's Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett instead of Baker Mayfield. And Amari Cooper is not Odell Beckham Jr. But we saw what happened when the Browns acquired a number one receiver before. Um, and then we saw, you know, how that worked or didn't work in this Kevin Stefanski offense. Scott kind of made this point before. It's like, you know, Amari Cooper's a good player. What's that going to look like statistically? How's that going to fit in this Browns offense? Is there anything, anything potentially that would apply from OBJ's tenure here in Cleveland in Kevin Stefanski's offense that would maybe apply to Amari Cooper? Or is it just like, Doug, keep OBJ's name out of this? It's such a different world. It's not even worth talking about. You know what? I think Kevin Stefanski has recognized that that passing game last year wasn't going to cut it. And that some of the things that he's done before in his career uh, necessarily aren't going to be good enough moving forward. And that's why their OTAs and their mini camp were basically a passing camp. Uh, They're trying to run a more sophisticated, explosive offense in 2022. That's what they're all about. And they have a thoroughbred quarterback that's going to be running it. And there's just no way uh, that they're, that they're not going to be up to par with him and, and be able to match him just in terms of, you know, their scheme and what they need to do to maximize his talents and abilities. So they'll do everything. They'll, they'll talk to previous coaches. They'll watch all the film. They know they have to evolve with this passing game. I mean, we all watched the playoffs. We all watched the Super Bowl. We know what's going on. They, they know uh, that they have to bring this up to, uh, you know, this decade's standards and they will. And so I think to, to box Kevin Stavansky into a corner, I don't think that that we should do that. I think he was limited to a certain extent by what Baker Mayfield was able to do last season. I think they were probably even ready to do more last year with Baker. And then it just kind of all went to hell in a handbag. He gets injured. Odell's gone. And then it's just not what it was going to be. Uh, I I think those days are over. Uh, I, I think they can match what. Deshaun has to offer and and maximize his ability. So I think they can handle a quarterback like that. I think they can handle a receiver like that. What was the question? 
<laughs> uh, I don't remember either. <laughs> what What do we learn from the Richard oh. Higgins tenure in Cleveland? Oh, okay. All right. I learned some stuff. I hope you guys listen and learn some stuff. I bet you did. It's one of those things. Sometimes with you guys, I can think, okay, here, well, we're going to talk about this stuff. You know, it's the kind of thing we've been talking about all off season. And I think like, oh, you know, we'll see. And then it's so interesting to me. I'm so interested, even though it's like, you know, it's not exactly new topics, but man, I, I thought that that's some good wide receiver talk. I like talking about wide receivers. We hope you guys like it too. We hope you're reading Cleveland.com slash Browns. We hope you're at least thinking about thinking about being a football insider because man, you get inside with this team. You get the extra story every day. We call it an egg. You get the extra story every day that goes only to the Football Insider subscribers. You get these text messages. You just feel involved. You get to ask Mary Kay questions directly to her. You get the texts. Boom. Again, I just think camp, I think, is the most valuable time for the texts because there's a lot going on in the middle of the day that you cannot keep up with, and you don't want to have to wait until 5 o'clock or whenever your shift ends, or whenever your kids go to bed, or whenever you have a free second, whenever you get back from the grocery store. You don't want to have to wait because your team is forming in front of the eyeballs of these people. And as they see it form, they text you. It's just so worth it. Cleveland.com slash Browns. Go there. You click on the banner. You'll figure it out how to sign up. We'd love to have you. I love being on this podcast with the great Mary Kay Cabot, the great Scott Patsko, the great Ashley Bastock. I'm in the mid Doug Maurice. Thanks to you guys as always for listening. And that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. <laughs>